If you lose your disc or fail to follow commands, you will be subject to immediate de-resolution. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow And tomorrow's just a dream away Man has a dream and that's the start He follows his dream with mind and heart Welcome to the final installment this month of the podcast vacation. And this is really weird because the podcast vacation has been done for about a month now. Yeah. A little little less than a month. So yep. we've had some time to gel on the podcast vacation, but you guys have been living it all this month. You guys have been living it through January where I lived it and <laughs> Scott lived it through December. Yep. So that's... It may be a little weird, but uh, this is sort well, of a, a yeah. We're just gonna sort of shoot the shit this episode and wrap up, you know, all the the loose ends from the the podcast vacations that, that you've been listening to. We had originally intended to do something very much like this while Chris was still here, you know, while we were actually recording, you know, what became the podcast vacation episodes, but. Our time together really was so limited. <clears throat> Excuse me. It may not seem that way because we've actually managed to spin a month's worth of episodes out of the podcast vacation. But keep in mind that, you know, those episodes that you're hearing were really recorded in what, Chris, like three days, three or four days. It was like, you know, the well, day yeah, I we really, up, the we day really... we went to Disney, the second day we went to Disney. And I think there's actually a, the, the last installment, I think, is actually like. Uh, like the next day after the the second time we went to Disney, and I think that's about it. So, yeah. you know, you're hearing snippets of the little bit of time that we actually got to spend together, and then all those they're hearing commentary. a good portion of oh yeah the time we spent together, and then when you factor in like last month's Star Trek Monthly Monday and last month's Comic Monthly Monday. Mm-hmm. You know, those were all. You know, those were all stuff we recorded when we were down there. Basically, That's almost right. every That's second right. that we were hanging out, <laughs> we were recording, we were recording yeah, and right. you guys are listening to it. There's very little that we haven't that we've cut out. You know, and I mean, the stuff that we've cut out has mostly been because it was just nothing. You know, some you know something boring or it was nothing either nothing or it was stuff that I was worried might get me in trouble. Right. So. Right. So, but I mean, just very little, you know, very little had to go. So, right. So you heard a good chunk of the, the, I mean, there was a good chunk of my vacation where I was like, um, you know, in in Scott's son's room editing, (laughs) editing sound or, you know, or doing stuff like that. Or Scott was at work and, and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was, uh. You know, maybe sometime we'll get vacations at the same time, but you know, you've got to have that job for a little while before they're going to let you have have a vacation. Oh yeah. But if yeah. at some point we get our vacations aligned at the same time, that would be something else. Last time I came up, you uh, you were unemployed, but you did have college, so you had to go off to school a few times. Right. But uh, yeah. Well, my my schedule's kind of stabilized to the point now where, as you say, I won't have vacation for a good long time. But for the most part, my days off 
are you know regular and predictable so maybe we can work something around that you right. know, next time but uh I, I want to hear your, your, your thoughts and your summations on the experience as it was. You know, you and I were talking just before we started recording that there's an awful lot of stuff that we had planned. And there's actually I've been I've been I have to admit, I've been kind of embarrassed by the sheer amount of stuff that we talk about in the podcast vacation episodes <laughs> that we things that actually we wanted to do that we never got to do. I was it's always embarrassed it by that, but it's just because, you know, for one thing, we were up against the clock the entire time. But also, I mean, we were doing Disney at one of the worst times of the year to do to try to do Disney, you know, as first timers trying to tackle everything. Because, you know, attendance is really at a peak, you know, during the time that we were going, so... That being said, for the most part, though, we kind of lucked out as far as... Yeah. We only had that one day towards the... That, that one day that you had to work in the morning, and then we mm-hmm. met up later, where I'd been there the first part, just sort of, um, booking around by myself, um, that day got really crazy, I mean... By the time you and I, by the time you and I met up when you got out of work, it was basically like, well, <laughs> let's give up on going on. We could barely get a Dole pineapple whip. <laughs> I mean, we had to wait in line for a while to to get to get food, <laughs> you know, from a right. stand. So it was crazy. It was literally turning into wall-to-wall people. It was. It started out s- slow because I was there literally first thing in the morning. And I was sitting, you know, at a bench all by myself, having a little breakfast and looking around going, wow, you know, there's a few people just sort of bumping around, but uh, looks like it's going to be nice. And by like three o'clock in the afternoon, it was bumping Mm -hmm. (laughs) rock solid people. And then then when something like a parade would happen, it was just gridlock. But but for the most part, we we lucked out with the weather and with uh, the crowds. You know, and, and, you know, stuff's going to fall between the crap. You know, the thing is, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that, I mean, uh, definitely, you know, on the list that didn't get checked off as far as rides to go on, the two that stand out, you know, the most glaringly are, uh, what is it, Test Track? Was that, is yeah, it I, test I would track? say Test Track and, and, and Tower of Terror. Yeah, Tower. that was the two I was going to say. Yeah. The 2T rides yeah (laughs) but uh you know the thing about that is no matter how we shook that list out something was gonna get messed up on it you know something was gonna need you know when tower of terror basically we didn't go on that because there was something wrong with it and they were doing repairs and only half of it was running yeah, so that, if it hadn't been for that, we'd have been fine because, you know, the the line we got in actually was not too bad if the whole thing had been running. We probably would have ended up waiting maybe half hour tops. Uh-huh. But, yeah, by the ride breaking down, it just, then it just compounded, you know, the wait time and that. And then Test Track is just, it, it's almost always like that. It's one of those things where, you know, if you're going to ride it, you know, you've either got to be there at the the exact right time of year, or you've just got to resolve yourself to okay. I'm just gonna have to wait if I want to ride this thing. Much but, much like Toy Story Mania. So that, that was one we remember we missed the fast pass on that by like yeah. two minutes, literally. Yeah. So, you know, but you know, 
you got to have something to look forward to for the right. next time I go there. So that's that was know. my thing. That's what I was going to say is that you know I, I'm I'm really hoping that you see this as, as the first of many trips because I definitely want to have you back. You know, as, as my guest, and we'll go do it again. And yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, if we had knocked out everything, then you know. Yeah, then everything would be a repeat, and I, I would I would like there always to be you know new things that we can do together. You know, well, there's you a lot of stuff that I didn't go on that I didn't put on my list that would probably go on my list again when I start looking for it because, you know, like uh, one thing I I definitely want to go on Splash Mountain next time because I love Song of the South and I love the Brer Rabbit, Brer Bear right. stories and you know floating through you know. Whatever the the drop, you know the whole drop part. That's you know whatever, that'll be fun for two seconds. But it looked really, you know, it looked really cool. I didn't know there was a whole lead up to it where you basically go through the whole story, you know, with oh yeah, little an- animatronics and stuff. And that looked really cool. So I wouldn't mind doing that, you know, next time. And uh, then there's a bunch of stuff that I'll want to go on again. You know, I wouldn't mind going on Soren again. You know, I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty amazing. So, yeah, there's plenty of... I'll, I'll probably do the Carousel of Progress again. The Carousel of Progress. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. I went on that for the first time in quite a long time. Um, my wife and I uh, recently went uh, to celebrate her birthday. And uh, Oh, so that was just the wow. other day, right? It was just a yeah, few days yeah, it ago. was last Saturday. As, as we record this, it was last Saturday. And... Uh, you talk about a comedy of errors. That day didn't work out so good. Because for one thing, like all week long, the parks had just been dead. I mean, attendance was, was really low. You know, it was it was that second week after the holidays are all over, you know. And, and it, we, we had just watched, you know, my personal barometer for what the parks are like is whenever I have to go out to um, the Epcot monorail station, you know, just like anybody else, I ride, you know, the monorail to get out to my workstation. So you actually circle through Future World, and I can look down from the monorail and see the wait time at Test Track. And all week long, I had watched it go from like 80 minutes to 60 minutes to 40 minutes down to like 20 minutes. So I was like, you know, baby, you know, why don't we go to Disney this weekend? You know, it's a perfect time to go. You know, it's really slow. You know, the wait times aren't bad. I don't know what happened that Saturday, but it was freaking slammed. And then to compound that, it was really nasty, bitter cold that day, too. So we froze to death. But uh, because it was so busy, you know, we made an immediate, you know, as soon as we got to Magic Kingdom, we made a beeline over to Tomorrowland because she wanted to ride Space Mountain. And of course, Space Mountain was something like 90 minutes. Buzz Lightyear was like 40 or 50 minutes. So she was like, well, you know, what could we do? And she was like, hey, you know, we haven't been on the, the Carousel of Progress in a long time. So we went and did that. And, you know, that's probably my favorite attraction there. But I don't do it all that often just because it, it, it is, you know, it takes a long time. It's a long ride. And, yeah. And it is. It's a really long thing. And it's not like it's a it's a thrill attraction. It's, it's my favorite for nostalgic reasons more than anything. So it had been a while since I went on it. But I went on and, and watched it and was just... You know, just loved it all over again. But I was definitely noticing um, some some issues that that one's having right now. So I'm hoping that it gets a little love here in the in the near future. But I don't know. What, where what I was do you going mean? Like it story. was it was starting to uh, 
need some upkeep or something? Yeah, it, it looked like, yeah, it did. It looked like it just needed a little maintenance, you know. I, I noticed a few things here and there that, off the top of my head, I can't think of what they were now, but it's just a couple things I noted that I was like, ooh, you know, that's starting to, you know. There were a couple things that outright weren't working, but then there were a couple th- I noticed that the father, in the opening scene, um, in the turn of the century scene, something seemed to be wrong with his head he seemed a little herky-jerky and then his mouth wasn't um and that has like seen he lots of videos properly yes you know? i've seen a lot of videos where that goes there's people who have collections of him going herky-jerky and there's sometimes when he goes wrong his neck the rubber in his neck will start to come out and it'll bulge out and it looks like something's trying to like come out of his neck or there's like a big he's got air, a chest burst or, or yeah something. like an air bubble for like forming in his neck and coming out and then you know that makes his mouth start moving wrong and it's really creepy that I, I saw this whole montage of videos that people made of the things going wrong in uh carousel of progress but uh that one was that ride was a ride that made the biggest impression uh, on me of all the rides I went on, and I and that was one I passed up on the at first, but I, I went on it on a whim on the day that I was there alone. It was like a five minute wait. It was just like you know you could walk right up to it and go on. So I walked right up to it, and I was filming. I walked up to it to film. There was a video playing of Walt talking, you know, an old black right. and white film of him, and I. And I went to get some footage of that. So there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow Just a dream away Well, it sounds pretty good. In fact, that's just the right spirit. Our songwriters, Dick and Bob Sherman of the Walt Disney Studio. The Sherman brothers have written many of the wonderful songs for motion pictures and television shows, and I think this song, written especially for you, captures the spirit of the General Electric Pavilion at the New York World's Fair. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Walt. Say goodbye to the folks. Bye-bye. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. (laughs) As I said, that's the spirit. Well, a beautiful tomorrow just a dream away. That says we're going places. There's progress ahead. And that's just the mood we want for the whole pavilion. Here, for example, is a a scale model of the General Electric Carousel Theater, a theater in which the audience itself moves in their seats around the stages. The actors, well, they're not real people, but they are a talented and interesting cast. We call them audio-animatronic figures, and they talk and act like human beings. The Carousel Theater will present a warm and entertaining portrayal of how life has changed through electrical energy. The same kind of exciting and unique entertainment is what we're planning for every area of the General Electric Pavilion. So, see you at the fair, and remember... There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow Just a dream away And then the whole, you know, the whole building was turning and I was like, ooh, this is awesome, you know, footage of, you know, I had a nice shot of the, the, 
you know, of the cast members standing there, you know, to let people on and the building moving behind him and, you know, people behind the rope and and stuff. And then I was like, you know, I might as well go on this, you know, and uh, it'd probably be fun to film, you know, lots of animatronics and stuff. So I get in and I sit down in the front row and I have my camera and then the guy goes through a spiel and one of the things is like, no video. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll just watch it then. And uh, I totally loved the whole thing. You know, just the whole idea of it. And, and, it, and at the same time, it pisses me off because we have lost that vision of the future that this, you know, the, 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 it's, it's looked at as this corny thing because it's just, it makes the assumption that man is going to move forward, you know, man is going to work technology and, you know, move us forward and blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, the, and the, you know, the theme song to it. it's a great big, beautiful tomorrow. It's been the, the 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 two true freaks theme for the whole month here you know it's been our whole right. theme you know and that's been lost in our culture when people think of the future now they think of like blade runner or mad max you know they think of a uh, or terminator uh, yeah or terminator yeah yeah terminator mad max not much of a you know a barren wasteland it's like a barren wasteland or a mega city a dystopia, you know, of people piled on top of each other in crime and, you know, a huge disparity between rich and poor and, you know, all the cultures mixed together, but, you know, in this huge noirish, dirty, filthy city sort of thing. You know, not, none of the, like, you know, the, you know, flying cars and exploring other planets and all that stuff. And I want that future damn it i want that that future back i want that vision but i want i want there to be at least one thing remaining in in our culture and and what i mean is you know american culture i want there to be one last bastion one last holdout of the positive future (laughs) and i think that was you know not to digress too much but i think that was ultimately my biggest beef with the new star trek film is i felt like even that got sullied no you you can even you can talk about that because that is part of our podcast monthly monday roundup right our podcast vacation roundup is yeah is that show yeah and totally yeah it 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 does it it the 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 future in, in that world it isn't a bad future it isn't a dystopian future but it's not a st- the Star Trekky future, you know, it's more of a gritty. It's got more grit to it, you know. Although, I, right, I, 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 I would not want a future without grit. But you, you know what I mean. It, it's not the like, it's not the like. It, it, it didn't have the feel that humanity had gotten over a lot of its prejudices and, you right. know, and hangups that it had. That that the other star, you know. I mean, forget about, you know, ships with clean corridors and stuff like that. There's a lot of things that's like, you know, race and religion don't seem to be any kind of problem in the Federation anyway. You know, when you go to a foreign planet, they are, but they don't seem to be, you know, the the sexes don't seem to be a problem anymore, you know, and there, there just doesn't seem to be, you know, violence doesn't seem to be as much of a, a of a, um, factor as it was humans seem to be less violent 
and and more cerebral and more more you know scientific and curious and and stuff like that and I mean that's the, I mean Star Trek that's the that's the first future that I guess maybe that's because Star Trek was the first future I was introduced to you know in science fiction on you know watching TV and stuff and right and, and, but you know um. I mean, but see, I, I look at that future as it looked in the original Star Trek, you know, with, with the way things looked, the way the Earth was was presented, you know, what little yeah. we saw of it. And it was a time in the future where, as you say, we'd gotten over a lot of the hang-ups that we have as, as a species. We'd overcome things, you know, there wasn't any more poverty, there wasn't any more strife and war and disease and we'd really gotten our act together as a people and and earth was you know as close to a utopia as it could be where things were beautiful and upkept and and shiny and new and all this and when i start to, started to get into to my interest with disney one of the things i really latched onto was the carousel of progress and especially you know the the original carousel where it had as part of the the closer to it this projection of progress city and i think i latched onto that because i saw that as wow that's the springboard to roddenberry's future you know and, and i saw them as being one almost as as this was the natural progression it would take to get to that that point of Roddenberry's track, you know, and and that's one of the reasons I really am fascinated by, you know, what if what if Walt's Epcot, you know, the Epcot city that he had envisioned had ever come to be again? I, I think it led directly into that, you know, and why people can't figure out how it could have possibly have worked because he, you know, that was it was all in his head. You know, Roddenberry was much the same way. He he never really explained exactly how he thought Earth worked in that future of his, or how we got there. It, it just, just worked. We did. Yeah, we it did, did it. work. It, yeah, he, he basically was saying, if if humans work towards their best aspects, this is where we'll go. And right. it was also saying, ultimately, yes, there's humans who are assholes. There's war and strife, but ultimately, the human spirit will work towards positive things. Will right. work towards that better nature of of, of humanity, and that's <laughs> not the view of the future we have now. You know, it's right. a, a, any view of the future like that is just viewed as corny. And one of the things I've been planning on talking about in the show is is the connection between Roddenberry. And Walt Disney, and you said something, and I don't know if it made it onto one of the recordings. Is uh, I believe it did, but I think there was one point where you said, "If Walt had lived fifteen years longer, right, we'd be in a different world than we were today." And right. I and I and I remember hearing you say that, but I didn't really think about it as much until we watched that documentary about. Um, I think what what was it called? Man into space, the the making of the the um, oh, um, movie that Walt made about um, man in space. Um, oh, what's man's the journey that? into um, space or something like that? It, it was the making of the 
it, it, it was kind of billed at the time, and, mo- and a lot of the documentary is about the making of the uh, Disneyland Paris version of Space Mountain. Right. But it was the it was the in betweener documentary, more about Walt and his vision of the future that I find fascinating. In that, what is the name of that? Shoot for the Moon, I think, is the name of it. I think that was the name of it of the Shoot documentary. The but the film yeah. the film he made was like Man in Space or something like. Oh that. yeah, from the from the fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was it was the Man in Space series. It was a Man in Space. Um, Tomorrowland segment on the old uh, Disneyland TV show that yeah. basically inspired the, the real <laughs> the space, space race in America, yeah. and and uh, you know I mean he was bringing in Reich the 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 rocket scientist to to help him make these movies and they they got made and then the movers and shakers in Washington were going and watching the goddamn thing and going we got to do this you know we it was basically Reich saying hey look it is possible to make rockets that will take human beings into space and for them to right. come back. It was say, saying, we can do this. And then it was also saying, here, public, this is what we can do. And it was done in such a in that Disney manner where it captured people's imaginations. And that's the thing. It's the things that capture people's imaginations when things get done. And the things that capture our imaginations now are so stupid you know, uh, I'm not not to be um, <laughs> negative about it, or you know, the thing you know the. I always felt when like watching Star Trek, and maybe it was delusional, that that, that that's how everybody felt. That everybody was like, you know, someday mankind should get into space and you know leave all this, you know, figure out how to get over all this crappy stuff, but. Apparently, it seems like ninety-some percent of the population don't really care about that too much, or, or think about it, and and the things that capture our imaginations now are like, you know, vampires that sparkle in the daylight and stuff like that. Which <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just not. It doesn't inspire anything into reality, or at least anything productive or. Inspiring inspirational truly inspirational i don't know you know but i i i i i was trying to think after seeing carousel of progress in the in the beginning you know uh, and we might have talked about this in in an earlier um podcast vacation but there's a little intro where someone says you know the narrator says you know walt loved the idea of progress and he loved the american family and he himself was probably as American as anyone could possibly be. He thought it would be fun to watch the American family go through the 20th century, experiencing all the new wonders as they came. And he put them together in a show called Carousel of Progress, which we are now about to see. And I listened to that, and you know, you hear you hear something like that, and but I heard it, and for some reason I really started to think about that. I was like, I was like, that's quite an extreme statement. And then I started to think about it, and I'm like, that's absolutely right. You know, he was, you know, made himself, you know, made his fortune himself, built a dream, you know, an insanely complicated and amazing vision and brought it into into working fruition, you know. Not only does Disneyland exist, but it wasn't like some Howard Hughes, you know, insane vision of the Spruce Goose that got made and put in a warehouse or, or you know, or, you know, I mean, it very easily could have been like Walt Disney opens Disney World and it's such a bloated mess that it can't make money and it closes after two years, 
you know. Right. It could have very easily happened, but he made it. He made it work, and it's been working ever. You know, working ever since, and uh, and you know, and I, yeah, literally, he he helped bring about the space program, which you know, I mean, you know, can be interpolated into he was fundamental in putting men on the moon. You know, and Roddenberry. You know, by by the time Star Trek was in full, you know, you know, after the TV show had even ended and Star Trek was still in full gear, they were naming space shuttles after the Enterprise. You know, mm-hmm. and they were bringing the they were using the cast and crew of Star Trek to publicize NASA and publicize, you know, the shuttle program and stuff like that. And who's do who's do who's inspiring that stuff these days? Who's, you know. I mean, there's celebrities who are like doing charity stuff and stuff, but who's really? Or it doesn't. Or celebrities or anybody, whatever happened to you know that you know Disney being like, okay, I'm a captain. Of, he's a captain of industry. God knows the guy was probably, I don't know, you know. I mean, politics changed so much over time, but. If Walt Disney existed today, I, I think it would probably be safe to say that he'd probably be a pretty conservative Republican guy. You know, he's got this mega business that is, you know, that he's of his creation. And he's making himself insanely rich. But at the same time, he's doing things for the rest of humanity that that, that are like... You know, I'm sure there was some aspect of Disney that was like giving money that would get funneled into like giving poor people schools and stuff like that, you know. But at the same point, he was doing something that was giving people a vision of the future, you know, was trying right. to enrich their right. lives and not in the sort of like patriarchal like, oh, oh, I'll take the serfs and show them, you know, give them education. He was basically like trying to employ people's imaginations to stimulate and employ people into using their imaginations and you know whether you're thinking of it on whatever level you know like believing in in the magic and the and the you know and and a lot of you know people make fun of and and I've been guilty of it in the past of you know the the you know, just sort of mocking the whole Disney—the idea of Disneyland as being this sort of fake, you know, this exercise in fake perfection or whatever. But when you start looking at it as, and and you can go to Disney World and see that if you wanted to, you know what I mean? You can see the the like crass commercialism of it, maybe if you wanted to look at it through that filter, but. You just cannot get past the fact that the 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 um and you know and I'm not even speaking of like Disney as a business. I'm speaking of like the the park and what the park represents and Walt's vision. You just can't get past you know how insanely like human it is and how insanely like you know progressive it is in in insofar as like you know pushing people to actually really progress you know and when i went to see the hall of presidents i noticed 
this is patriotic without being chest thumping, you know? It's patriotic without saying, you know, this is what America is, and this is, it, it, it was, it was just, it, it gave you a real feeling of why America was great rather than like, America kicks ass, whatever. It was just sort of like a history lesson, but told in an entertaining manner and in a way to actually draw you towards the things that were actually revolutionary and amazing about our country when it was formed. And you don't see much of that stuff nowadays, and I attribute it all to <clears throat> a lot of the stuff is coming from <clears throat> a different a different time when when Walt was alive, you know. And and his vision was that vision. It was it was uh, the true American vision which has become looked at through such a veil of nostalgia and stuff as being something that's quaint or corny or whatever and if you take a lot of it at face value it is and it's outdated and whatever but the you know the profound stuff that Walt stood for and tried to express with Disney World and the idea of it is there you know it's just there and you know Disney could totally turn into a, a corporate nightmare or whatever but that found it that that vision of waltz is so strong there that no matter you no matter what happens to that place there's always going to be people there who get it you know who understand that idea you know that they're they're not there you know they're not there because they want to escape from reality and you know go to the world of donald duck they're there because they see this is like this is the idea of the idea of America, not actually America. It's the idea of America, mixed with, you know, a history lesson. But it's it's presented as a story. You know, the whole place is presented as a story. It's like you pointed out. It's like a movie. You come in and there's a preview posters when you walk in, and you know, and it's and it's the story of America, and it's the story of going forward and exploring and imagination and all that and all that stuff which can sound really corny and you know in in our culture when you get really huge you have to lose your edge to some degree because you know when you become the size of Disney and stuff if you do something that's a little sketchy everybody's on it so they're trying not to tarnish their brand and they're trying not to piss anybody off and they're trying to live up to you know, a gold standard and stuff. So it does get that sort of pasteurized, sort of, you know, processed feel sometimes. But that would bring the whole thing down if it wasn't for, you know, basically the ghost of Walt Disney still being there in every, everywhere you go and everything you see in Disney World. I was seeing the ghost of Walt Disney, you know. You know, I was sitting there going, this guy truly found out a way to have people not only remember who he was, but remember what he stood for, you know? Right. And not only that, but just millions of people. Just, you know, I, I, I hope so anyway. I hope a lot. I hope a good amount of the people that go there get that out of it, you know? I have, an, I, I have a feeling a lot of the people who go there and get that out of it end up like you working there. <laughs> They're like, you know, I, because well, you want to contribute to it. At the very least, I, I don't know about working there, but I, I think at the very... You know, see, everything you're saying, I'm just sitting here, I'm nodding my head because 
you make me feel really good. And, and what makes me feel good about it is, you know, much like being that's good because a, a when 40- you're struck silent, it's either really good or really bad. So I wasn't. Well, no, I mean, I, I wanted to let you run with it because I, you, you know, you were really on a roll, and I wanted to hear what you had to say about it, and, and I was agreeing with what you were saying. But you know what it's like in life to embrace something that everyone else looks at and goes there's something wrong with you you know whether it's that you're almost 43 years old and you collect comic books so everybody thinks that you're somehow you know uh literally some kind of virgin uh, weird like well yeah, like you're held back st- mentally stunted, or something yeah. you know yeah you know, like you're like yeah exactly like you're somehow mentally stunted mentally you know, stunted you know you tell people that you're a, a Disney fan or a Disney fanatic or a Disney enthusiast and you get much the same thing especially again when you're like me you know, you're almost 43 years old you're a grown man and you have a real passion for Disney people instantly think that oh, there's got to be something emotionally retarded about this person because mm-hmm. he loves Mickey Mouse and it's Donald how we Duck, feel about know. Michael Jackson and, fans you know <laughs> But seriously, you know, to me, I mean, I honestly, I mean, while I respect the characters and I respect the legacy and the history behind them, in the at the end of the day, I ultimately really don't, I could care less about Mickey Mouse and Goofy and Donald right. It's not about right. that. Yes, that's a facet of Disney, but I guess what I really should be telling people, I'm a fan of Walt Disney. Yes. And what I mean by that is I'm a fan of the man. You said a minute ago, tells me one thing, Chris, and it makes me feel so good because it tells me you got it. You you went to Walt Disney World. You yes, you know, you I got you it on the, the carousel of progress, sort of man. Thing, but ultimately you walked away from that experience and you understood finally exactly what it is that I get out of that place what I what I the feeling and and everything that I really think Walt was going for which was reassurance the future is going to be a good place you know here's the things of the past that brought us to where we are and then here are the things I think that's and here's exactly where we're going why the the park is laid out the way it is it's it's like time travel you know you you come in and you experience one of the best times in American history on Main Street USA. You know, not only was this a favorite time of Walt's life, he actually lived in a town much like what is presented on Main Street USA. So it was was a callback to what he considered these were the good old days. When when life was simpler and people were good and, and America was good and thriving and things were really looking hopeful. But then when you go deeper into the park, you know, if you start and you go clockwise... You know, you start in Adventureland, and then you go through the frontier days of America and, you know, Liberty Square and all that. You know, you get a little bit of a a world of fancy and and everything with Fantasyland. But eventually, where do you wind up? You wind up in Tomorrowland. And the vision of tomorrow that's there, it's not Terminator and Blade Runner and, you know, Mad Max. It's very much, you know, the future's going to be bright and sparkly and full of, you know, cool colors and neon-y and clean and well kept and fun and it's, we're it's, gonna be it's, okay it's us progressing it's it's us exactly. living in a in a where we've come to a point where we've mastered science and yes 
and our own natures to the point of where they're in harmony and we're living in harmony with the earth but you know not like in some sort of hippie like living in the mud harmony where we've got you know the 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 you know futuristic the cool looking futuristic city that would be fun to live in and you've got the big domes outside the city that grow all the delicious fresh food you know and and ship them into the city you know no matter what the bio you know the the climate is in the place you've got the like by the biosphere like to grow food you know or and yeah, you know a shuttle up to the moon where we've got a base you know right. where, that has a lounge night cool little lounge in it you know and stuff you know what like I'm gonna that do? i'm gonna i'm gonna send you i have a an audio file somewhere I'm going to send you uh, an audio file of the original Carousel of Progress that included Progress City on the end of it and mother and father from from the show um, basically walking us, the audience, through this world of the future that they live in and, and the advancements that had come along and what, what basically what their world was like. And... You know, I, I regret that that scene isn't part of the of the current Carousel of Progress that's there. I really wish it was, but that's also why I'm really, really thankful that you can go upstairs and ride the People Mover, and you at least get to a, a, a taste of that image of the future because part of that model is up there and you can get to see it and you at least get a glimpse and they even talk about it in the ride that you know this was Walt Disney's vision of the future and you see this city you know that he had designed to be very efficient you know with green belts and you know yeah. riding monorails and people movers to get in and out so we didn't need automobiles and things like that at, at that point in American history there were a lot of people who were and and not to say that there aren't people who are interested in that stuff and researching it now or whatever but there were a lot of famous people who were you know there was Buckminster Fuller you know right. there were all these people who were like trying to come up with new ideas for that that knew you know I mean, I've always grown up knowing. Maybe it was my early, you know, my dad was always into Buckminster Fuller and, and you know, Roddenberry and all that stuff. But I always knew, you know, the way our cities are, the way everything is, is eventually going to have to be restructured because right. as science progress, as, our, as we progress, you know, the things that we have to make with industry are going to change and, you know, we're not going to have oil forever, so we're going to have to find new ways of... Make doing food and doing everything that are more efficient, you know, or, or not even if we had to, but we should, and that as human beings, since we want to go forward and do things better all the time, that that's just going to be where we, you know, how things shake out in the long term, and it sort of is. There's, you know, just a, I guess maybe our lifespans are so short, so it seems like nothing ever happens in our lifespan as far as progress or whatever goes but you know the thing is you need that you need that vision that spans throughout society of of the you know the future you god damn it you need society to just even be thinking about what the future is going to be and i never hear anybody talking about the future 
You know, like when I listen to the news, no matter what news station I'm listening to, when they're talking about the future, all they're talking about is the money in the future. You know, and whether it's a left-leaning or right-leaning place, they're, bo- they're, they're all basically saying, you know, in the future, you know, our grandchildren are inheriting this horrible financial burden, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's never any talk of like, you know, our grandchildren should be at the on a space cup. By the time our grandchildren are adults, there should be a colony on Mars, you know. And none of that shit. And, and back in the 50s through the 70s, and even into the 80s to an extent, there was lots of talk like that. There were people, you know, in the 70s and 80s. I have, you have actually, it's funny, one of your screensavers that you have on your computer is a picture of a Dan O'Neill space colony that you put up there because it reminded you of Disney future right. stuff. And, right, uh, that's my, I think the one you're talking about, I think that's my picture on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and, like my background on Twitter. And there were people like, in the 70s, I remember my father was big in this guy who was, who was uh, you know, um, um, Gerard K. O'Neill, who was, des- he and a bunch of other people were designing practical space colonies that could be made with the technology we had at that point or technology that was coming in the next few years it was it was a feasible do you know it would have just taken governments and people you know having the will to do it and be you know put the appropriate pressure and taxpayer money and you know it basically means people would have to want it you know and it seems to me people don't think more than a couple years into their future they think maybe about you know people when people are thinking about ultimately the future they're thinking about their retirement (laughs) you know well how am i going to retire and am i going to have enough money so i can ride out the last few months in a in a decent rest home so i'm not getting eaten up by rats you know and that's it you know there's not a lot there's there you know i mean there are people who are like you know worrying about what their you know grandchildren are going to be doing but i don't know where where is it who is who's you know who's presenting that vision now that um that says that that says it's going to be all right it's even going to be better you know in the future we just have to want it you know who's say who's saying that nobody is nobody carries that message you can go to disney world and get it out of it you can watch old episodes of star trek and get that out of it um well you know that's one of the reasons i really like that documentary so much that you know and, and i wanted you to see it because i was really hoping that that you would see in it what i see in it and not look at it and go eh, i think that's a bit of a stretch because the more i watch that and i've watched it i don't know how many times now you know the first time i watched it and and it said basically that that this future the one that we're talking about you know that it basically it ended or or it started to to fade when Walt died you know the first time i watched it i thought well that's a nice sentiment but i don't think so but you know the more i watch that and and follow the 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 train of logic they're going with i i really can see it because i i think it could be argued that roddenberry you know, really might have been the last guy. But even he, you know, he had the vision, but he 
It was on. You know, t- he was a capitalist medium, too. He was. Yeah, but I mean, beyond the the medium of television, he wasn't actually able to do anything about it. Right. Um, well, all he was able to do was do Star Trek. You know. Right. That was right. his and thing. I, and I'm not trying to belittle his accomplishment because I think Star Trek is an awesome thing. You know, I, I think it really does serve a purpose and. And it's definitely inspired. I mean, it's inspired real life engineers and that's astronauts. That's what I'm saying. You know? Star, I but, mean, that's why he's. That's why he's. You know, in the same room with Walt Disney. But Walt Disney, you know, did it on a scale that's just unprecedented. Right. There are right. people with. There are people with media empires now. You know, on the level of Disney. You know, like Disney Company. There's. There's. There's entertainment companies that are just as big a behemoths as Disney, but they don't have, you know, Disney's got that something, it's got that American something, you know, from Walt Disney that no matter how corporate any aspect of it will come, you'll never get rid of that, you know, you'll never be able to purge that from it. There's a other. There's a couple other uh, uh, videos, and I'm going to put sound clips from them in this episode. But there's a couple other things that you know, people more authoritative than us, I feel, that feel the same way. Tribute to the achievements of the Disney design staff has been paid by many highly respected planners and builders. Among them, James W. Routes, developer of the New Town of Columbia. In his keynote speech before the 1963 Urban Design Conference at Harvard University, Mr. Rouse said in part, quote, I hold a view that may be somewhat shocking to an audience as sophisticated as this, that the greatest piece of urban design in the United States today is Disneyland. If you think about Disneyland and think of its performance in relation to its purpose, its meaning to people, more than that, its meaning to the process of development, you will find it the outstanding piece of urban design in the United States. It took an area of activity, the amusement park, and lifted it to a standard so high in its performance, in its respect for people, in its functioning for people, that it really has become a brand new thing. It fulfills all the functions it set out to accomplish, unselfconsciously, usefully, and profitably to its owners and developers. I find more to learn in the standards that have been set and in the goals that have been achieved in the development of Disneyland than in any other single piece of physical development in the country. End quote. You know, there's a great video of David Brinkley standing in front of the, the contemporary as monorails go over his head from back in the 70s. Peter Blake, the architectural editor of New York Magazine, recommends that all of New York City's town planning work be turned over to the Walt Disney Mickey Mouse organization because they seem to be the only people in America who are able to get anything done. Now, don't laugh. When you look around at this new town they have built here in central Florida, you will think he is right. It is the most imaginative and most effective piece of urban planning in America. And that is totally aside from the Mickey Mouse amusement park area itself. It is outside of the park on Disney's own land, which is about twice the size of Manhattan. On this, they have built roads, transportation systems, lakes, golf courses, campgrounds, riding stables, stores, hotels, and so on. 
and they all fit together in a setting of land, air, and water better than any other urban environment in America. We all remember seeing years ago those slick, futuristic drawings saying what the future of the American city was going to be. Gleaming buildings, fast monorails, people in one place, cars in another. Well, this is the future, and none of it has happened. Nobody has done it but Disney. You know, if you want to see the future that we were promised, if you want to see somebody that understands it, you know, and, and gets it, come here to Walt Disney World. You know, and this was not long after the park had opened. You know, and it's well, just the monorails a, a perfect great. example of, of yeah. There should be monorails all over the place. You know, I mean, uh, uh, monorails are cool and futuristic, but when it comes right down to it, what is a monorail? It's public transportation. It's yep. designed as public transportation, it's and it's efficient. Mm-hmm. It's cool looking, you know, which, you know, really has a big thing to do with urban, you know, like when you go to cities and you go to a city and it just looks like every other city and it's just buildings and, you know, square buildings and stuff, you don't remember anything. But when you have stuff like monorails and neat shaped buildings, you remember that stuff. It becomes iconic. It adds to the feel of living someplace. And, you know, I mean, except for a few places, you know, I I mean, monorail should be in any Every, every city from probably the size of my city on up, you know, you could get away with them. And and imagine if you had, like, a national monorail system, you know, you could... It would be awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's another one of those things that goes back into my statement about, you know, if Walt had had, you know, his 15 years that he felt he needed to bring his Epcot into existence... You know, the, the biggest reason that I've heard why monorails never really happen, there's a great video, a great, you know, it's a Disney episode. I'm trying to remember which one it was. It might be Magic Highways USA, I forget. But there, there's one of them that shows, you know, like a, like a modern city and then, you know, worked into it with special effects or these monorails streaking all over the place. And it says, you know, one day the city you live in, you know, might look much like this. And you watch that, and I just get kind of sad when I see it because it's like, no, Walt, it's it never my happened. Yep. But, you know, if he had lived, it may have happened because I think one of the biggest things was... You know, the reason I've heard it never really happened was that, you know, this, of course, would take a huge bite out of the oil companies, and they weren't going to allow that to happen. However, he had a knack for working with people like that. Right. You know, and and bringing them around, whether it was through, I don't know, you know, the the force of his personality or, or whatever. You know, he was just, he was... A really good, sometimes even shrewd businessman that that was able to to pull these miracles off. Well, he would have and a I, philosophy. If you had, if 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 the people in the companies like the oil companies had the imagination and humanity of Walt Disney, they, they could, you know, all it takes is one guy to be like, "Hey, I have this oil company. Oil isn't forever." Instead of fighting all this shit. I should be turning my company into a new form of fuel. I'll be the first one to have right. it. You know, the businessman talking. And at the same time, I'll be helping out humanity because we're not going to have oil soon. And if we don't have something else, we're going to be, you know, up the creek. And right. at the same time, go, you know, we're going to loot, we're going to hemorrhage, you know, huge forms of money or huge amounts of money on this, doing this. And, 
you know, people's lives are going to be turned upside down. It's going to be chaos and people are going to hate me. But in the future, it's going to be like a necessary step to do. But nobody has the courage in any business to do that. They all want to just sort of, you know, they've evolved into these things that just want to keep going in whatever direction they're going forever, you know. And without a vision of the future, you, you can do that, but you can't do that forever because eventually you're going to, the oil companies are going to run out of oil. Then what are they going to do? Are they going to, you know, are they going to go into those supposed archives where they have all the patents to all that stuff and then break that stuff out and now they're going to be rich or whatever? Uh, I doubt it, you know. it's uh, we. I just wonder where, where the Walt Disneys are, you know. I mean, basically... He was, we, we think of him as an entertainer. I think of him as a businessman, as a captain of industry who was just very interested in, I'm making all this money, I'm entertaining, you know, at the same time, I'm doing it by entertaining people, which is nice, you know, I'm not like building guns or something like that, you know, I'm doing something that brings joy to people, and at the same time, I'm using it to try to like aim humanity and a, a good direction. I'm using all this power I have towards that because, hey, you know, when I die, people are going to, you know, I don't know if this was his goal, but when, you know, there's not too many people who are like, without a personal grudge against him, who are like, yeah, that Disney was an asshole. You know, you think of Walt Disney as sort of this awesome guy. Right. And you, you would think that all these, you know, Donald Trump's type people would get that, you know, Donald Trump would be like, well, I'm worth X billion dollars now and I've accomplished almost anything that I want. Why, why don't I try to do something for humanity so at least, you know, even if they're egomaniacs, at least humanity will look at them as a, an awesome guy, you know? What, you know, it's like, why, why, why are they all just sort of like, let's see, I've got $250 billion, but I really want $500 billion. You know, mm -hmm. and that's as far as it goes, right? God it's damn it! A shame. Yeah, all all you listeners out there, if you all like save up ten thousand dollars, every one of you, and you each send Scott and I ten thousand dollars each. <laughs> now, just hear me out. <laughs> you will make us into mega millionaires, and we will push this vision of the future just like Disney. And you can all have jobs. But you all have to cut your hair to a certain length and uh, you can't cuss. <laughs> <laughs> you all have to have Chekhov haircuts. <laughs> Those of you with hair. And if you're all and if you're balding or bald, you have to wear a Shatner toupee. And if you're chubby, you've got to wear a Shatner brand um, corset. <laughs> That's a dress code. So get to it. Start saving up that $10,000. I've listened to other podcasts where they're just like, if everybody sent us a dollar, if everybody who listened to one of our shows sent us a dollar, we'd have $10,000 right now. And stuff like that. And I figure that's rude, man. I'm just going to ask for some unreasonable amount of money. And that, that way, if there's just one person who's rich and crazy enough to send us $10,000 then uh, so be it, but everybody else can just laugh at the idea of it, you know. 
But you, you know who you are, millionaire listener. Multi-millionaire, insane listener. I'm talking to you. That's uh, Remember all those secret messages we've been transmitting into your brain? Well, when you put them all together, it means, you know, send half your money to two true freaks. All right, you're completely off the rails now. I'm just <laughs> thinking about our future, man. <laughs> and speaking of future, next year, uh, my plan, my rough plan is is the D&D plan, Dragon Con Disney World, where I attend Dragon Con. Um, I've heard grumblings that... that, that uh, Next year, or are you talking this year. year that we're we're in now? Whatever the next, well, the next, the next Dragon Con, the next next visit. Yes, it will probably be within this year. Yes, would be like would if if I can arrange if I can arrange and and be able to afford to do Dragon Con and uh, um. And uh, actually, if there's anybody out there who wants to get a room, share a room at Dragon Con with at least one, at least one of the two true freaks, maybe two of the two true freaks, get a hold of us. Maybe we can uh, set something like that up. See, I have this thing where I have no credit card, so there, I don't have a chance in hell of getting a room. But I'll pay the money for you know my share of the money for a room, or you know maybe even a little gratuity for anybody with a credit card. You know, but I I wouldn't mind you know doing the weekend at DragonCon, and uh, hopefully you would be able to go too. You know, hope hopefully your schedule maybe your schedule will line up for that. You know, the the heavens will open up for that, and and uh, if not, it depends. It depends because it's like on the one hand, um, I think that maybe when I've got my my week of vacation scheduled, but on the flip side, see, there's not really. There's not really anything to entice me back to Georgia at this point, you know what I mean? So it's like right. I don't know. I'm, but I, I could I could be persuaded to to go to to uh, to Dragon Con if it meant you know being able to meet up with you know especially with you. There'd but, be a you lot know, of other Mike people, Bailey, that, yeah. and, and you know Green Cap and and Todd and whoever else might you know end up wanting to go up there. So it's an idea. Um, I've heard a lot of like Green Captain Todd. Have, I think have been talking about like skip. I hear it's getting huge yeah. and out of control. And I know um, See, our own Hope Mullinex uh, was also saying something to the same yeah. effect. But at the we've same point, I want to do it up. as a. I, I I if I was there just by myself, it would be a pure <clears throat> pure meet the people that I know through the show that would be there. And promote the show, you know. Um, I mean, right. obviously, there's just a million things going on, so I would be completely stimulated the whole, overstimulated the whole time I would be there. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, I think it'll pale in comparison to Disney World. Although at the same time, it's a little more adult than Disney World too, so it's a whole different vibe, you know. Right. See, we've got a convention here coming up. I think it's coming up in like March, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to end up making it to it or not. But we've got a MegaCon coming up that I would really like to be able to go to if I can possibly swing that. You see, the thing, like, um, I mean, what I would love to do, but it's just too soon, is I would love to do like the, I think the, the it, like, isn't the Star Tours opening up like on the next yeah. Star Wars celebration or something like that? Yeah, or? that was a, the other thing I was going to mention was uh, it's Star Wars weekends will be coming up in May, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely that's what I would that. love to do. 
you even know. if you know I, I don't see I, I don't regularly have weekends off so it would be a matter of either, either finagling something or just being able to go you know in the mornings you know for a while until you know I had to go to work, to work. but yeah I'm definitely going to go and, and check out at least a little bit of Star Wars weekends while it you know because I mean it's uh, right here and it's where I work so, yeah, you know, yeah well come on how could you not yeah what I'm hoping that they'll be doing is I'm hoping that they'll be doing some previews and soft openings and stuff for Star Tours well in advance of you know the weekend you know Star Wars weekend opening up so that I'll be actually be able to go and and preview the ride before it actually opens to the general public. I'm hoping that'll happen. But you probably wouldn't be you probably won't be allowed to talk about it. But you could tell me what happened. Yeah, I would love to be able to do that. But it just it just depends. We'll have to see what happens with that. But uh. Let's see what else. What else is on our, our either on our plate or just you know predictions for this year? What do you think? Well, I know you and I were talking about we've had a riot doing all those um, commentaries last yeah. month. So we and we've been getting a lot of requests for some. So I think, and you know, for for the most part, we've we've had really good uh, response to them as well. I mean, there was really only one that I felt kind of came back to kind of bite me in the ass a little bit. But uh, yeah, we did. We had a blast doing them, and I mean, God, there's so many movies out there that we could, you know, we could mine for that. So yeah, I think I think that's a good idea to continue that while it seems to be very popular and people seem to think that we do a really good yeah, job. Send with the your send your requests. I'd love to get a whole list of requests to um it's funny because somebody at um one of the moderators of the um Forum for Geeks said, Hey, they listened to our Planet of the Apes commentary and they said, Hey, you should go put it up on this website that which I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But uh, I went there and they had all all our commentaries up on there, and that just right. And they had a whole list of like commentaries that nobody's done yet that that they can't believe that nobody's you know. So it was almost sort of a. I have a feeling the person who's compiling it it was sort of their want list. So if you guys right. have a want list of what you would want us to talk about, I mean, I know there's already been a couple. Like somebody asked us to do the Transformers movies, but to you know. To basically do the Dark Knight on them, you know, where we just tear them up, which I didn't hate the. For, I I kind of enjoyed the first movie. The second movie I haven't seen, but I imagine I would hate it. But you know, I would be willing to tear some movies up. But the the um, the prop. I don't know if it's a problem as much, but the problem for you guys with that is a movie that you send us to tear up. We might like it, <laughs> you know. There's a right. there's a fairly decent, fair, there's a chance at least that that we will like it. But well, on the flip side too, I want to throw out there, I, you know, anybody that throws suggestions right. out, please understand, you know, if if we don't do it, you know, that that there's probably a good reason, which is, you know, either we have, you know, we don't know the movie or we don't have any interest in the movie or. See the thing. The reason we picked the movies we picked is we had seen them enough times and... to where we could sit there without having to pay attention to the movie and talk about it, and you weren't having to hang on any dialogue to remember the plot or what was going on. And and if we start to get too far, you know, a field of movies that we are intimately familiar with, then you're going to spend a lot of downtime without while just we're watching paying it. attention. To, yeah, yeah to, to be able to follow what's going on. I mean. That happened, you know, during Dark Knight. You know, we get to the end of the movie, and one of the big beefs I had with it, 
I've still got, I still don't know why the hell he's on the run at the end of the movie because we were talking and, you know, not paying attention because, you know, it's a commentary. So I didn't want to just sit there and, you know, they listen to us watching a movie. How boring is that, you know? But then you miss something. So, yeah, it's going to have to be movies that that we're passionate about, that we've seen a zillion times and, and that sort of thing, but. I know that we keep talking about Back to the Future. Oh, we gotta do Back to the Future. I really want to do Back to the Future. I'm not sure if I'd want to do those as commentary. I really, I really liked the idea. Well, here's the thing. Like, Uh I, I, I I wouldn't mind doing shows like, you know, um, a Back to the Future show, and then as a, as a, um, complimentary thing to it, you know, to, just as an added thing, you do the the um, commentary after afterwards, or that's alongside with it. So you know, that's not a bad idea because we did that with Tron, and I don't feel I could be completely wrong about this. That it's they were redundant. I, yeah, I, it's been a while since I've listened to those two episodes, but I don't think that we repeated ourselves, did we? I, I think we did two. Well, it was two different things. Shows, when we were talking really. about Tron, we had a guest on, and we were talking about things and tangenting right. and talking about the video games and the trading cards and all the things that go along with it you know whereas in the movie you're talking you're in the immediate now of the movie and talking about it although that you do go off and talk about side you know we'll talk about side things and things while something's going on in the screen but it's just it's it's apples and oranges, I think. Really, even with the even like a, you know a commentary and a show about the same movie are still two different things, you know. Well, yeah, that's why I want to go back and revisit Planet of the Apes at some point because it, as good as I felt the commentary was, and as much fun as I had doing it, you know, you're you're on the fly, so there are going to be things that are going to be missed, you okay. know, and and things that'll come up, you know, because when you do an episode about something. You know, typically with you and me, we'll sit down and at least have, you know, some form of organization to it. You know, we'll have notes to go off of and talking points pre-planned and things like that. Whereas when we did those commentaries, I mean, I hope people realize that shit was all off the cuff. I mean, we just slapped in the DVDs and just ran with whatever came to our minds. We didn't have any notes. We didn't really talk about much of what we were going to talk about either. We were mostly talking about what kind of food we wanted to go get first (laughs) before we went out to (laughs) the drive-thru, you know. But, But, you uh, know, that said, and I God, I hope this doesn't come off as braggerish, but, you know, that said, I think we did a really good job doing it off the cuff though you know what i mean well i think think that's the only way we should do it you know unless you know i was thinking about that because i was thinking there's a million movies i'd like to do that i know you would have no interest in doing and i was thinking would i want to do commentaries by myself and just sit and watch a movie and talk about it and uh possibly yes but at the same time it would be such a different thing, and 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 I've been listening to a lot of commentaries by other people. When it is just one person, they're usually loaded with facts and you know anecdotes and asides and te- technical details and in, you know interesting tidbits to throw in, you know because right. they're not bouncing off somebody. But I like the bouncing off, and really, you know, we're doing. And we mentioned it in a couple of the movies. We're doing what we did when we were kids. We were sitting down with some, with some pot, you know, with, with you know, mostly like Chinese food in 
this case, but you know, back in the day, it was like popcorn, or for you, it was a whole box of saltine crackers, and right. uh, and just sitting and watching t- and drinking Pepsi and and watching a movie, you know, with a two liter sitting by your side, and uh, I mean, that's, I mean, there's the, the thing is with with the, with the movies as they exist now, there's already co- commentary with the director and the actors right. talking about the behind the scenes stuff and. You know the We're, concepts and stuff like that. You know, it's you, you, it's like the just, show. We're talking about us and how it affects uh, us. Not necessarily even Scott and Chris, but the viewer. You know, we're coming at it from a viewer's point of view. You just uh, reminded me of something. Something I want to pose to the to the listeners here, to the audience. You know, the the thing you described with. You know the the people doing this solo thing and throwing a bunch of facts and figures and interesting tidbits and all that. Um, I've been thinking about something. Uh-oh. There, there's there's one That's commentary, dangerous. one solo commentary. I've been kind of kind of just pondering the idea of doing. And that's exactly the kind of commentary I wouldn't want it to be because. I feel like that already exists when it comes to this particular movie. There's already both audio and like the the pop-up video style, right? You know, trivia tidbit style um, commentary that's out there. So I wouldn't want to do that. What what it would be more of is is watch along with Scott, see this movie through my eyes, and while I try to defend it and 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 really let the viewers into my perception what why i love this movie and uh you know of course there would be uh star trek the motion picture and i'm just wondering is there any interest in that out there and I, again I, I emphasize this wouldn't be a you know scott presents this fact and that fact and tries to wow you with his knowledge of the movie it's more of you know okay this scene right here this is one of the reasons I love this movie because I like the way this is done and I like this piece of character insight here and blah 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 that sort of thing you know I'm not sure I could do it you know I, I, I'm not I'm not very well versed on solo podcasting as it as it is but also this would be a solo com- I mean I'd basically have to run my mouth through an entire movie you know which kind of goes against my grain I don't like people that talk through movies so you know, and I'd be doing it alone. You know, in in you know, in front of the movie with no immediate feedback. So I don't know. It, it could completely suck. But I'm just wondering if there's any interest in something like that because I, I keep coming back to this idea and thinking that it I'm might. I'm sure be there is. Interested, you know, interesting. So I'm sure I don't there know. Is interest in that, and uh, I forgot to look on that that website to see if there were any Star Trek the motion picture. There, there probably are. It seems like all the there's Star Trek there's at Star least Wars. one I know of because I downloaded it a while ago and listened to it, and it was really good. And but it was a, it was one that was actually connected to Star Trek. You know what I mean? It was with people that had worked on the, uh-huh. that director's thing that came out a couple of years uh-huh. back. But it was good. It was really it was enjoyable. But um, I I uh-huh. I was I I've been toying a lot uh, for a long time with the idea of doing some sort of film podcast where I go off the genre where I'm not necessarily doing you know a science fiction or a horror fantasy type movie and just mm-hmm. doing movies that I really like or movies that I think are important. I was actually 
I've been toying for a long time with sort of doing basically just to be a complete bastard, sort of um, doing a podcast version of film school where basically in a podcast, I just give you the same information that they gave me in film school, except I was paying, you know, I, I'm ashamed to say how many thousands of dollars a year, you know, to go to school at, at, at the college I went to, but it was obscenely expensive, you know, put me in debt for the rest of my life. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I could be done in a podcast these days with the way right. with with a podcast and your computer you could get everything you would get out of film school outside of the practical okay I'm working on a video experience but if you really want to get that experience you can do that too you can get a camcorder or you could go out and you could get a job as a gopher on a film shoot and work your way up and do all that stuff and and learn how to you know, if you want to learn how to use the equipment, you just have to go out and get the equipment or find somebody who does and have them let you run the camera while they film something. If, you know, these days, if you want to learn stuff about movies and then go out and try it, all you need is a camcorder and you can edit it on in a computer and you can be editing and filming and learning all you need to know about making movies. And then after that, you're just like anybody else. You got to come up with your budget to make whatever kind of movie you want, but you'll know how to make it when you, if you do get $10 zillion, you'll know how to make your space epic or at least what kind of people you need to find to do it, you know. Because, you know, a lot of film school is watching a lot of movies and, uh, you know, doing episodes about, you know, those movies that, that were you know, a big deal as far as, you know, the, the history of movies or the history of the language of cinema and just movies that I think are awesome and, and why they're awesome and, and on what level, you know, um, you know, do it, doing movies that I think are filmed really beautifully and talking about the cinematography and, and stuff like that and who the good cinematographers are. And, and, uh, yeah, there's just no reason the there's almost no reason to go to college anymore if you are if you are a driven enough person to want to gain knowledge these days if you know what the knowledge is you want to gain you can almost go out and get it and do it without going to college that's pretty insane and with the little help of like some idiot doing a podcast you could <laughs> you could avoid film but i've been to- that's an idea that i've been toying with for a long time just you know, basically doing my own version of the Criterion, you know, edition of, you know, there would be commentaries in it. There would definitely be stuff like watch this, com- like Citizen Kane would definitely be a good one to do a commentary on. But I would want to do like the thing is I've seen Citizen Kane about 8000 times because I was a film student and you're wa- like every teacher was like, OK, we're going to watch Citizen Kane. But it was the sound teacher, so he was. You were watching Citizen Kane and listening to it, basically, and you know the the camera teacher was, you know, talking about how you know what kind of lenses he was using to get those insane, you know, infinite field of focus shots, and uh, yeah, I've, 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 I I wonder if that that would be interesting, or if I would just end up getting people who like 
went to film school listening to him going, well, God damn it, that, that, how am I supposed to feel about that $50,000 I just flushed down the toilet? <laughs> so I don't I don't want to do that. I don't want to disappoint it's people. It's funny, both of, you, both of us are kind of kicking around, you know, other projects. I'm always thinking, the um, thing about other projects is we do so many, that's why I like this whole commentary idea because we can, st- you know, we can make commentaries without it being like at the sacrifice of our regular shows. You know, there's only right. so many podcasts you and I can make a month. Right. And, and, but the commentary, you basically sit down, you watch the movie, we talk about the movie, and then there isn't a lot of work into putting it together. There isn't a lot of right, overdubbing right. or anything. It's just sort of there. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And I mean, you can't it, really edit it because then it won't flow properly. Right. When people are trying to trying to watch along. Yeah, so, you, yeah, you, I know. You I literally like are not allowed to edit it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at all. So it's so that's cool. So that's something. So that's something we could realistically do a bunch of without having to worry about you know not doing our monthly Mondays and right. special episodes and stuff like that. So. Well, on that subject, um, you know, yes. we've gotten a lot of, I've gotten a lot of anyway, uh, questions and requests from people, you know, what the hell is going on with, you know, the other things that are kind of in limbo at the moment. And uh, while I can't give any definite assurances or definite dates, um, I just want to let people know, uh, Mike and I are working on Tales, man. We're, we're committed to that show. We're determined to figure out a way to make it work so that we can uh, get some more episodes in the can and, and get the show back out there and everything. So, uh, you know, to the to the listeners, you know, the faithful about that show that they keep like asking, that you know, what's going on. Yeah, I know. They love that show. It's uh, I think it's the most popular thing on our feed. So, you know, please hang in there. At, you know, we're having some technical difficulties, but we are working on uh, the problem. In, as in far as our feed goes... So. Yes, T- Tales of the JSA holds the most in the top 20 queue. They hold the most, but the number one downloaded two <laughs> true freaks of all time, dwar- you know, dwarfing all is uh, dwarfing even the, by a good percentage the Tales of the JSA is that Hetalia anime yep. episode that yep. that we did with Hope Mullinex and. And her best friend that you did. I wasn't. I wasn't part of. Well, it. I say we in the same way that like every Beatles song is is says Lennon and McCartney on it, right? No matter whether Lennon or McCartney wrote it. But it was a Two True Aww. Freaks monthly episode. So Aww, that, that episode that we did. <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, I always think of it as as hoping her friend. You know, I I know nothing about uh, about that anime stuff. I did I I did my homework for the show, but I, it wasn't like out of you know there wasn't something I was already watching or interested in, and I I basically learned enough of it so I didn't sound like a complete. So I could ask what I thought were fairly intelligent questions of them and just let them roll with it. But uh, apparently there's either not many podcasts about Hatalia or it's a super popular subject. Right. Well, so uh, strange. Uh, you know, also along those lines, um, Jonah Hex, you know, I'm still... Uh, People like that one, too. Uh, I know. I love doing that show. I really do. But the, the, the thing with Jonah Hex is it's 
it's mutated into something much, much more labor intensive than I ever anticipated it being. And I've got to figure out what I'm doing with that show because I've got a choice to make. I can either keep it just the way it is right now, the, the way you've been hearing it, where it's almost like an audio drama um, and and probably not be able to, to get it out uh, near any, anything re- remotely resembling a weekly schedule. Probably have to change to being a monthly show. Or I can scale it way back and try to keep it a, a weekly show, but it just would not have the same depth to it it would just be you know basically a review show you know it's like here's the story here's what i think of it you know in and out and you know 30 40 minutes whatever i'd like to hear again you know i, I want the the listeners i to just had an idea for you yeah how about this instead of having it be a weekly show why don't you figure out a length of numbers like six to ten episodes and do a season and that way every you know you have a time period where you you, you'll do six or ten shows and then you'll have the time period where you're playing those shows to do the other ones and there'll be some time in between seasons you know so you're not like so the whip isn't cracking over you Hmm. just something that burst just that just burst into my head for, be- for better or worse. That's an interesting idea. That's actually a very interesting idea. And that way people can look forward to the new well, season of Jonah Hex. Speaking I, I, of I Jonah wanna... Hex, you got to watch the movie so we I can... I know. Can you so believe I ended I watched... up paying like $15 for that thing Without in late watching fees it? and still never watched it? It's ridiculous. I watched it on the bus on the way back from... Uh... <sighs> From uh, my vacation, and uh, and uh, I figured you would watch it since you had rented it from Redbox. So I was sort of looking forward to seeing what you thought about it. And I, uh, I just haven't. Had, I literally have not had the time. I really haven't. Um, as a matter of fact, I think I've only watched one movie since you left. Um, the last time, well, the next to the last time I went to to Disney, um, I took Logan for a day, and he and I went. This was right after New Year's was over. It was like, I think it was that first week right after New Year's. And again, you know, I went thinking it was going to be dead and it was slammed. But it was just he and I and, you know, it was a really nice day out and everything. So we took advantage of the park being really busy to do kind of the the quieter things, you know, which I'm a big fan of that, actually. I'm a big fan of, you know what, let's spend a day in the park and not go do, you know, all the the usuals, you know, the Space Mm -hmm. Mountain and Haunted Mansion and all that. Let's go do some of the stuff that we just never really seem to do all that often. So, you know, we like rode the train around and stuff like that. Well, one of the things that we did, and we spent a lot of time doing it, was we went over to Tom Sawyer Island. Which is one of those things that not only don't we do it very often, I think a lot of people don't go over there. I did you that know, on just, my day that I was there myself. That's right. Yeah, I remember you I remember you telling me about that. So we went over there and and we spent a good portion of our day at Disney together, just you know, just father and son, just having a blast over at Tom Sawyer Island. You know, we explored all the caves and we went to the to the fort. We fought Indians and, you know, just just having so much fun just play acting, you know, and using our imagination. It was great. 
But one of the things when we went over there, and I think this had come up before when we went there, was, you know, Logan, of course, is asking me, you know, who are these people? You know, who's Tom? Who's Huck? You know, who's Injun Joe? Who's Becky? You know, who's Aunt Polly? And, you know, I mean, I remember those books from when I was a kid. I remember having to read them. Before before we even had to read them, we'd see, like, like, sometimes, like, on the holidays, on the Christmas and Thanksgiving, when kids right. were on vacation, you would watch TV and you would see, like, all the the Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, the adaptations. You know, there was a musical version of Tom right. Sawyer and stuff. But, uh, so you were no. familiar with that story. That story was like... But the only thing I could remember, though, is I could remember the part where Tom tricked the other kids in the neighborhood into painting the fence for him. And right. that was, like, the one thing I could remember about Tom Sawyer. So finally, I remembered that somewhere in my collection, I had a copy of um, a, a movie from, I think it's from 95, it was called Tom and Huck, and it starred, um, what's that kid's name, it was a three-word three name, he was on Home Improvement, something something Thomas, like Jonathan Taylor Thomas uh-huh. or something like that, Jonathan Thomas Taylor, whatever his name was, was in it. I never heard anything about the movie. I had no idea if it was any good or not. Um, I had no idea if it was going to be a, a you know faithful or if it was going to be some weird version or some sequel or whatever. But you know it was an idea, so I dug that out. And this was just a couple of nights ago. Um, Logan and I finally made you know we've had some time together and uh, and we made the time. We sat down and watched it. Man, that was a really good movie. And. You know, granted, my memories of of the original book weren't that, you know, weren't that clear. But from what I could tell, this seemed like it was a pretty faithful adaptation of the book. And man, it was good. Well, it like was Tom ri- Sawyer would... was adventure, but Huckleberry Finn was like adventure with a dark tinge to it. It had a lot right. of elements of, you know, I mean, they j- it just basically was a- another. There's, they're like printing a version of it where they're taking the N-word out and they're changing yeah, it to I something else. It's, it's, it's just horrifying. Uh, that's, that horrifies me. It, it, you know, it, you, you, it's just like, you know, he was an outspoken critic of racism and the book is just like tears apart the racist mind, but it uses the language of the time and that was, it's edgy for sure. But at the same time, you know, it the N word was not used for you know purposes of degrading black people or for just like to to be you know insightful. You know, it was it was it was put in there for for a good reason by a brilliant you know iconic American author. I can't believe that people would. It's it would change it. You know, yeah, they'll, it, it, they'll be all up in arms about that. Yeah, every rap CD that comes out uses that word like fifty thousand times in every song. It's it's just yeah, but they don't they don't but. make your kids re- listen to the rap records in the school. <laughs> but your kids are listening to them oh, anyway. Yeah, pull up at any red light around here, and you'll you'll. Well, that's what I mean. The kids are listening to that rap music. They're just not teaching it in the the school. You know, that's the whole thing. Is with it. they're teaching this in the school, and it's like. And uh, uh, yeah, well, any anyway, but you know, like, yeah, Huck Finn was like the edgy one, and Tom Sawyer was like, 
the just the wild adventure. It had its horror in it because it had engine. The whole engine Joe thing was terrifying. That whole you yeah. know where they're in the where where like they have actually he has to go into court and you know, you know you're a kid wa- and when you're a kid watching Tom Sawyer you totally like, you know put yourself and he's sitting on the stand and he whips his tomahawk at him. It's some crazy shit. You know it was into yeah. Joe. He killed him. Boom. You know yep. that whole that's scene. The, uh, that's the story that's in this movie too. It was really, really good. The acting. Was, and they was they excellent. fake their deaths and just it's yep. it's just an awesome, awesome, awesome story. You know, and uh, yeah, I, I there's there's a lot of stuff like that that kids are just not getting anymore. Although Logan, you know, I mean, I, I don't think it was it was it wasn't until middle school that we had to read that anyway. So right, he's he's got a couple years to go to. Well, he's got the leg up now because now he's seen the movie. Yeah, so. yeah. And but it was good. It, I really enjoyed it. But uh, I'm not sure where I was going with all that, other than <laughs> that was the that only was movie the only I've movie watched lately. Watched but it was lately. really really good. But uh, um. You know, along the lines of, you know, don't don't worry, Tails and Jonah Hex, you know, they're not dead and they'll come back. I, I've actually been, uh, I've got nothing solid. What about Back to the Bins, uh, dude? I'm not sure about Back to the Bins. i got to be honest with you, because something might have to give somewhere in order to facilitate those other shows. Here, and All I say to, to that bins, is, hear that, listeners, that just means listeners just need to make their own Back to the Bins and send them in. If you guys keep making back to the bins, you know, you can alleviate the pressure and maybe you can hear some more Scott Gardner back to the bins. But I'm thinking maybe it's a time for other people. I love the show and I realize that it's a favorite for a lot of people. You know, uh, 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 Jeffrey Taylor, you know, Mike's co host on uh, uh, FCTC, you know, he's always telling us, oh, that's my favorite show that you do. And, you know, I'm flattered and everything because I really enjoy the show, but it's just. You know, it's it's not a priority, and it's it's the easiest one to just kind of let slide to the back burner if you know if need be. And at this moment, you know, the need be, you know, yeah. because I'm just I'm I'm pressed for time, and you know, it was so much easier to put out you know 800 podcasts a week when I wasn't working. Well, now I'm working, and I'm working a lot of hours, and I'm working crazy hours. So you know, I've got to work with within my my bounds, and. A lot of the ideas of things that I'd like to cover for Back to the Bins, I think, can be bounced to other projects. You know, one of them being, you know, our, our Comics Monthly Monday, which is going to be much more free-flowing and, I think, a lot more fun now. But also, you know, I, I'm kicking around this idea. It's going to solidify at some point. I just I haven't really set what it's going to be yet. But uh, I've got an idea in my head for uh, a solo show, you know, just all my own that I don't want it to have a set format. However, I want to have things that, you know, will be recurring, you know, through different episodes, if that makes any sort of sense at all. So what I'd like to do with that is I'd like to actually have uh, the listeners solicit ideas, you know, of things you want to hear me talk about. And I'm... All right, immediately, I've got to say, Dark Knight's off the table. I'm done with Dark Knight. I don't want, you know, this this is not the Scott Bitches show, okay? This is not the Scott Complains About Everything show. This is going to be just, you know, the show where, 
I, I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be yet, but <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm talking. And it doesn't have to be geek topics. It can be any topic. You know, you want to hear my thoughts on you know X, Y, and Z? Then you know, write in a request. Oh that. my God, that could be scary. So, I'm already stuck. well. It, I'm it already could be, and there are going to be topics I'm not going to want to talk about, and, and things like that. But um, but yeah, you know, that, that's that's something that I'm hoping is going to materialize in 2011 is uh, is a solo show because I've been kicking the idea around a lot. I've been encouraged by a lot of different people that you know, why don't I why don't I have a solo thing that I'm doing? Because you, know, you do a solo thing, Mike does a solo thing. Most everybody that we know in podcasting has some solo project that they do. That I like that idea because it gives people a little more insight into you. You know, I was gonna then, say, uh, yeah, I do have a solo project. It's the Media Masochist. I wasn't thinking yeah. of that. I was thinking about the horror show, and I'm like, well, I got two co-hosts in there. There, I am, the, of course, the star because, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I'm just the star. But yeah, that's that 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 show is definitely a complete. You know, I mean, we pretty much like collaborate completely on that. Everybody seems to, you know contribute equally but yeah the media masochist is like a solo show but I, that's very sporadic i think i've only put out like five of those you know up to this point i'm behind on those i've had some suggestions including a suggestion that that from you that will get addressed in the media masochist <laughs> but i i don't want to give away what what movie it is it's something that i've I said in the first episode that I wouldn't do something like that, but it's also been something. You're not the only one who's requested it. Well, it's so just, I'll, it made me I'll feel bad when you told request. me that off the air because I, I, you know, that right there was the clue that I'd never listened to the first episode. But well, you know, when I, it comes I, I to, mean, I don't, I wouldn't expect you to remember all the rules that I laid down in my rambling fashion in the first episode, which well, I did. Well, it's not eight just that, but I, I have to be honest that that you know my podcast listening time I is know. also. So hey, at a man. premium, and more and more lately, I find myself, you I've, know, even I've if it's a show that I or, or a total, podcast, huh? I probably listened to a sum total of like five Back to the Bins Tales of the JSA. You know, I'd like to listen to more, Dude. but it's like you, it's just like you said, you know. <laughs> Only no, so I know. Much time. Time's at a premium, and and more than anything, uh, lately I've really been paying a lot more attention to what the subject matter is. You know, that's advertised, you know, when a new episode of, you know, show X goes up. And if it just doesn't appeal to me, then I, I just, I gotta be honest, I, then I skip it. So that might sound harsh, but, you know, it, it's getting to the point where I don't really listen to that many podcasts anyway. And the ones that I listen to, you know, I, I'm selective on the episodes sometimes because, you know. I've often thought for something like, for all that stuff of getting just like, some like a terabyte hard drive and every podcast that i want to listen to i put it on that hard drive and once that hard drive's full of podcasts then i stop downloading them paying attention to them and i just work on this you know then i realize right. i've got like 10 years worth of podcasts here whenever i want to listen to a podcast i'll just pull one off of here right until i've gone through all these and then i've thought about doing that with movie in that way you know because it's hard to keep up. I mean, we're getting, and, I, and and another not to sound braggartly, or, but we're getting to that. Um, this is something I've been forgetting to address, but uh, um, you know, I've been 
it's funny because like our roles will reverse every once in a while on the show and like in the beginning you were the one who was really on the email more than me but lately i've been the one on the email on the email tip and it's getting to that point now where it's hard to keep up you know mm-hmm. and people you know i mean i try to reply to every email at least once or twice or to keep up a conversation and i mean i i, I want to uh, don't not email because you know we're getting too many emails but just just realize i'm trying to keep up but it's it's getting to that point where it's like almost impossible for me to keep up with all this stuff unless i seriously like go into some sort of like um I want to say rehab, but that has a drug connotation. Some sort of like a, what, like you get a life coach who like comes in and organizes your life to military accuracy. If I did that, if I could get my life scheduled to where I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this for what, you know, I'm going to write a screenplay for between 10 and 11. And then at new and 11, I take a lunch break till 1130. And then I then I edit podcasts till three thirty, you know, and then I take a rest or watch something on TV or something, you know. Unless I get that organized, I'm just not going to be able to to keep up. But I'm going to try, you know. With and I mean, and the thing about it is, is as everything nowadays, we have our our you know two true freaks at Gmail account, uh, but then again, we got stuff going on on Facebook and then we got stuff going on on the forum and uh you know I have a I have a whole sort of daily routine where I go through all that stuff as much as I can but stuff slips out of my brain you know mm-hmm. I I I write whole like replies to people but I don't have time to type them in and I'll go off and go out to get groceries and then by the time I come back I'll start doing something you know I'll start digging through my junk to do some ebay work and you know and that letter is is gone out of my consciousness till i'm just about to fall asleep and i'll go shit i was supposed to type an email to somebody right you know and (coughs) so welcome to my life dude yeah yeah so i'm I'm just telling people out there i'm not (laughs) i'm not blowing you off um right now i don't think there's anybody who probably would feel like blown off right now but then again <laughs> there might be because i'm just not remembering everything it's hard it's hard it's so hard to be me <laughs> it's not easy being me but uh, so i think that's about it for yeah for what I, I can remember that i wanted to talk about anyway yeah but yeah we i think we've got uh i think we've got big plans and lofty aspirations and things like that. Oh, We're yes. also coming up on episode 200, so if anybody has any ideas, <laughs> any ideas what, what they, the hell they want us to talk about for episode yeah. 200, drop those in the suggestion box. Um, I've been having the idea that, uh, I'll just throw this out there to anybody who feels like they might, this is a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, I was thinking having something like Two True Freaks expand into some sort of, uh, some video shows if there's people out there feel like you know do it nothing you know not i I, i'm not talking like trying to do something pro like what is it g4 
or whatever that. I really don't want to have to put clothes on to do this show, though. That's the problem. Well, what, it's uh, well, YouTube. You have to. You can have. You can. You don't have to put clothes on, but just no genitalia, please. What fun is that? Uh, none for. Well, it's more fun for the viewers, that's for sure. <laughs> if uh, with, yeah. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. There may be some twisted viewers out there who want to see your genitalia, but do you really want to know about? Yeah, no. But I've been thinking, you know, of doing something like our our, our podcast network, but having people do some some video stuff, you know, reviews or or talking about stuff or skits of. I will have that you nature. know right now that only eight out of ten people get up and run away when I'm on chat roulette. All right. Okay. <laughs> only eight out of ten. Eighty percent. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. That's not yeah, bad for the internets. Be. No, that's not bad yeah. for the internets. You know. You know, it only takes one out of a uh, out of a hundred, I guess, to say yes. Anyway, so. Um. But uh. Yeah, that's another idea I've been thinking. If there's anybody who'd be interested in doing that, get a hold of me and uh, maybe we can uh, get but it's in the idea phase. But if we got a bunch of people who did little short little short videos things, whether it be news or or whatever, I think we could seriously on a zero budget because YouTube you can put video up for free. We could seriously compete with these real net like TV networks of nerd well, what is it? G four. That's about it, right? Is that the name of it? I don't even know because I, I never really get to that see shit it anymore. Because it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. It might have moments of interesting stuff in it, but for the most part, it's it's terrible. It's kind of condescending, and I'd like to see something like that organized on YouTube with a bunch of shows that come out fairly regularly, like a podcast, just all on a YouTube channel. You know, we'll get a good bunch of video oriented or or nerds with you you don't even need a camcorder you can do sh- reasonable shows with um you know the built-in um webcam in a on a on a laptop you know I, actually hope mullinex has done video vlogs and has her own little video vlog show that comes out you know f- whenever she has something to put out so I'd love to see a collected version of that with different people doing different shows. I think that could be really fun. It would be something to plan in a long-term fashion, you know. It would be something that it would be like uh, that would be something that wouldn't be organized and up and running, you know, in a month. It would be something to plan on doing over the course of a year because let's face it, everybody's busy <laughs> trying to put food in their table so it could be done so that's another idea so write us with your send your cards and letters except don't send cards and letters just go on the internet and contact us because cards and letters are so 20th century (laughs) dude well a project like this is so vast in scope that no one company alone can make it a reality but if we can bring together the technical know-how of american industry and the creative imagination of the Disney organization, I'm confident we can create right here in Disney World a showcase to the world. I believe we can build a community that more people will talk about and come to look at than any other area in the world. Join the future. Listen to Two True Freaks. 
visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. I'm going to regret this. This is ridiculous. Only a laser sword fight. Star Tours announces the boarding of the Endor Express, non-stop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding. No! Cannot get your ship out. <laughs> Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fans. Lando Calrissian. Star Wars Monthly Mondays, available the first Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. We would be honored if you would join us. Just who the hell are you? He's James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain?
violate the treaty, Captain? Red alert! All hands, battle stations! What are you scratching at? Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Federal attack, all hands battle stations. Monthly Mondays, available the second Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. Mondays. Available the third Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com December 7th Earth 2 1941 A world very much like our own yet slightly different A date which will live in infamy A world at war United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All- Star Squadron.
The Tales of the Justice Society of America, every Friday at twotruefreaks.libson.com. He was a hero to some, a villain to others, and wherever he rode, people spoke his name in whispers. He had no friends, this Jonah Hex, but he did have two companions. One was death itself, the other, the acrid smell of gun smoke. Death and the Acrid Smell of Gunsmoke, the Jonah Hex Podcast. Available Thursdays at two truefreaks.libson.com. And coming soon from Two True Freaks. Who is he? Hey, how's it going? You're crazy! What is he? You're crazy, man! <laughs> Where does he come from? You kill us all! You kill us all! Keep away! No! Keep away from me! Look out! Watch out! Run! It's Scott Gardner!